for a welcome this morning. Thanks for joining me here for our session. Uh, we're going to try to get all your questions answered, number one, because I know you're here for a reason. Um, and if I don't cover it, or if, or if I'm on a similar topic to what you have a question about, it's okay to interrupt me. And uh, if I don't like your question, I just won't answer it. No. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Dan Moore, and um, I am a uh, veterinarian from Tennessee. I have a not a traditional practice anymore. I used to practice traditional, conventional veterinary medicine, but uh, sold my clinics in '91, and I've kind of been going down a more natural path ever since. And it's just been exciting. Um, we've uh, reached the point where you know we don't use any drugs or chemicals in our practice. Um, and we have healthy horses, um, have healthy clients. Uh, we have our own horses. We have about 30 or so. And, um, can everybody hear me okay? Okay, good. Um, and it's just phenomenal what you can do without drugs and chemicals. Uh, my mission in life is to, to find alternatives that work, you know, natural alternatives to those drugs and chemicals for people, pets, and horses. You know, it started out with just horses, and all the horse owners wanted stuff for the pets, and now we've even gone into some human aspects of it. So it's very, very, very exciting. Um, now, most everyone here has a horse, I'm sure. Um, and uh, I know that uh, you probably are wondering, how, I had a question earlier, how in the world can you talk an hour about just minerals? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is pretty easy, actually, because I've learned a lot about minerals. Uh, I've learned a lot about health care in general. Um, but, you know, along the way, it's, it's not, it hasn't just been an easy transition. I'll say this, say that for sure, because I promise you at one time in my life, I didn't even feel like we needed to supplement vitamins in any way, shape, or form. I thought all the feed companies had all the answers. I thought they had all the complete feeds for us and had it all taken care of. You know, they they taught us nutrition to some degree in school, but it was pretty much just how to balance a ration. You know, it wasn't the, the real nuts and bolts of it. It wasn't the, the real uh, exciting things that I've seen the most significant changes from nutrition-wise that I was taught in school. It's just kind of been hit or miss and picking up a little bit from somebody here and there um, that has allowed me to, to, to get where I am today mentally. And it has definitely been a transition. I, uh, it's, it's exciting to see what you can do, though, with nutrition. Um, I do a lot of hair analysis in my practice, and, and with, when we take a little bit of the mane, we can actually send it off to the lab, and we can find out exactly what's in that horse mineral-wise, what's in there heavy metal-wise, what's in there period. And based on that, we can formulate customized mixes for your horse. And most problems we can fix with just nutrition, literally. You know, one of the things that kind of hit me between the eyes at some point through this learning process for me is that I really don't heal anything as a veterinarian, you know. And they might want you to think that by the time you get out of veterinary school that, that, that you do. But, you know, I, I learned that healing's either from within or above. And we can trigger the horse to heal itself through various techniques. And we've talked a little bit about those already here just a minute ago. Um, you know, chiropractic and um, homeopathy, different types of, of uh, holistic type modalities. Those primarily trigger the body to heal itself, okay, in some way or fashion. 
And then we can also provide the nutrition for the body to heal itself. And that's really what we do as far as a holistic practice goes. We provide the nutrition for the body to heal itself, and then we somehow trigger the body to heal itself. Because if you think about that, if, if that's not what you're doing, anything else is pretty much interfering with the body's healing. You know, And the body is an incredible uh, machine that has this incredible tendency to heal itself if it has the right fuel, the right stuff to do it with. Um, and it's so easy to get going down a path of drugs and chemicals where one medication that we use to take care of a problem might lead to another problem. And then that leads to another problem. You know, these so-called side effects. I mean, y'all know where I'm coming from? Just look at your geriatric person out there today. You know, women over 57, the average woman over 57 is on seven different medications. Seven different medications. And you take this medication and then you have this problem and so on and so forth. Um, because you're kind of taking over for the body. And when you take over for the body, you can confuse the body. It interferes with its own innate ability to heal. Even something as simple as putting an ointment on a rash can, call, can interfere with the body's healing. You know, a rash is there for a reason. You know, the body sends in the white blood cells, all the inflammatory stuff, to try to heal whatever's going on, and we put something on there to take all that away, the body I mean, would kind of make you mad if somebody interfered with something you were doing, right? Well, the body's the same way. So it's, you need to be very careful what you even put on the skin. Uh, like with your rain rod and your skin infections, things like that. It's not uncommon for me to hear people using things like bleach and iodine and things like that, you know, actual medications on the skin. And you think, well, yeah, that might kill the fungus that's associated with it and so on. But um, the problem is the fungus isn't really the problem. It's the body's immune system that allowed the fungus to take over in the first place. That's the problem. So you not only interfere with the body by putting the junk on it, but you've interfered with the body's healing from within, so to speak. Can you grasp that concept at all? For instance, thrush and white lime. I know if, if, if you've ever had that in your farm, you might have one or two horses out of, say, five or six that have it, right? If thrush or white lime disease, if it were just the fungus that was causing the problem, and all these horses that eat the same food, have the same pasture, the same environment, the same mud that they walk through every day, wouldn't they all have the problem? You know? We tend to forget that each and every body has its own innate ability to heal itself. Dewormers is another example. Uh, I don't want to get off salt minerals too much, but I've got to touch on this just a little bit. Um, I don't just deworm anymore because the calendar says so. You know, we've all been led to believe that all horses have worms all the time. So what do we do? We deworm our horses every month, every two months. And what are we doing by doing that? We're giving them a chemical, a poison if you would, every two months just because they might have worms. Now, when I first got out of veterinary school, we used to check horses for worms, do fecal exams before we gave them indiscriminately use those chemicals, in other words. Because at that time, all we had was a, a tube that we had to pass down through their nose, into their stomach, and deposit this medicine in their stomach. And there was a definite risk in doing that to the health of the horse. Now, you could see, I mean, you, know, you put the tube in the wrong place, the horse dies. 
So it was immediate results. And we used to check them first just to see. Well, now, well, back in the early 80s, these easy-to-use paste came along. And, you know, here, just use this instead. It's cheaper. It, it's, um, it's easy to use. And all horses have worms anyway. And we've got into this habit of using them on a regular basis just because. And not only have it, but you've probably been made feel really guilty if you don't. And you're not a good horse owner. And you see all these ugly pictures and scared to death at these, you know, Tuesday night meetings that these drug companies put on. Right? And so you do it because that's what you've been told. And that's what you think is best. And believe me, I used to make my living doing it too because I didn't know any better. And then it hit me one day. How come we're not doing fecal exams anymore? How come we aren't seeing what kind of worms horses have? So I started checking. And guess what? Many, many, many horses don't have worms. They have that natural resistance to those worms as they get older. You know, um, all horses, here's the truth, they don't all have worms. They're all exposed to worms every single day in most cases. Just like we're all being exposed to influenza today, but we're not going to go home and take an antibiotic just because we're exposed to influenza. Some of us are going to come down with it. Some of us aren't. It's that body's resistance. You know, what can... And, and when you start giving these chemical dewormers on a regular basis like that, in my opinion, it's kind of like shooting them in the foot. You know, you're actually affecting their immune system, system even more negatively. You know, you're interfering even more. So we've kind of change their philosophy a little bit in their practice as far as deworming. You know, we check them for worms first. And if they have them, then we treat them. You know, we have evolved to where we have actually have a natural wormer now, but we treat them if they have them. But we don't just deworm because the calendar says so. The consequences of, using, of continuing to deworm the, the way we do today is there are species out there of worms where nothing's even working anymore. In the southeast, nothing's working for strong giles. Not even your big chemical warmers. University of Florida called me a couple months ago because they have a terrible problem with pinworms and none of the chemical dewormers that they're traditionally using are working for pinworms. And it's because we've overused and overused and overused. This lady has goats. Right now, there's nothing that works in goats. The University of Kentucky called me about two months ago because they have a problem in their goats with parasites. And they had heard that a product that we have actually helps with deworming, and they wanted to do some testing on it. And I said, great. And their exact words to me were, if we don't find something that works in our goats, we're not going to have any goats. Because we've indiscriminately used these dewormers over and over again. Back as far as 2001, I found an article that was titled, Looming Disaster by Continuing to Deworm the Way We Do Today. And while we're on that subject, let me just go one more step here and talk a little bit about vaccinations. Now, I'm going to make some of you all mad. I promise you. Some of you might even leave. But we don't vaccinate anymore. Thank God you said that. We don't vaccinate for anything. Our horses are third generation vaccine free. We trail ride. We have mares coming and going for breeding every day. We have we showing all over the country. We had five world champions two, three years ago. And they don't get sick anymore. You know, and we used, believe me again, I made my living vaccinating. You know, we vaccinated the, the day it said to vaccinate. 
But there's a lot of things that have, that have gone on in my life and in my practice that have got me to that point. Uh, it just It's hard just to, to stop believing mainstream America and do something different sometimes, especially when you think you know, you're hurting your horse or could potentially hurt your horse. But uh, another thing, we, we have mountain horses, and just as a, for instance, this breed originated in the hills of Kentucky. I mean, I'm talking on the strip mines of Kentucky where they were lucky if they got food. Right. I mean, you know, they didn't even, they never dewormed, they never vaccinated, they never did anything to these horses for the most part in the early days. And guess what? Our five foundation sires were still breeding in their late 30s. In their late 30s. Now, that's unheard of today in stallions. You know what? And I personally think our horses are weaker today than they used to be. By the way, when were, when were you last vaccinated? And yet we vaccinate every year our horses, at least. You know, um, vaccines, by the way, are full of heavy metals. They're full of aluminum. They're full of mercury. They're grown in other species tissue. Anyone have an allergy horse in here? Biggest cause of allergies in the world. Every. Vanamine chasers. I love it. Yeah, gosh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many allergy horses I see today. And vaccines is one of the biggest cause of it. Um, Vaccine connection with autism. Oh, yeah. Please. Gosh. Unbelievable. And dangerous horses. Thank you, Lord. This, I cannot, I never do a presentation if somebody doesn't bring up an autism issue in children. I did a meeting like this in, uh, probably at the, is at the Farriers Convention just about three months ago. Maybe two or three hundred people in the room. And uh, all I had was about ten minutes. They were really running overtime. And the last thing I said, because this is a major thing for me, please, before you vaccinate your children, you check into it and find out more about it. Because I'm telling you, there is a direct link, no question, between autism and children and vaccines. Yes. Yeah. I have to something about connection Yes. Oh, yeah. And the vaccinations? Vaccinations and dewormers. I think there's a direct link between one of the major dewormers, and I don't want to mention the name yet because I can't say for sure. But Sure. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you anything. But uh, she, she feels like there's, she's been reading about a link between vaccinations and uveitis or moon blindness in horses. But, um, yes, I think there is. Anyway, I mentioned at this convention, you know, the last thing I said, please check into vaccinations before you vaccinate your children. I said, autism is directly related, no question about it, and so on and so forth. And, and you know, there, by the way, there's even a vaccine victim um, money fund set up for victims from that. It's been set up since the 80s, for goodness sakes. And, and look at our horses today. You know, what if we, they're becoming, why is there a problem with... EPM. EPM wasn't a problem 20 years ago. Don't know what I'm talking about? Possum fever? Okay. All right. EPM is by horses being exposed to uh, the manure of uh, the opossum that has a protozoan in it. Now, why should a horse not be able to be around the opossum anymore? They've been together for millions of years. You know, what have we done to our horses to make their immune system so shocked? Why are horses allergic to flies? You know, they're designed to live outside. You have an allergy horse that you take, that you have all these blood tests done to find out what they're allergic to. And what comes back? They're allergic to, to, to mold and pollen and hay and flies. 
You know, it makes no sense. I mean, we've done, these are the kind of questions that have been going through my mind ever since I got out of the rat race of making a living doing it. Okay, but literally, I had to step back from the rat race of making a living practicing traditional veterinary medicine, even possibly consider these as causes of these problems. So, needless to say, we've come a long way as far as um, health care. Yes, ma'am, question. Yes, ma'am, I would. And the reason is, I don't think vaccines work, number one. Tetanus, of course, we have we don't we have thirty horses ourselves, we don't vaccinate for anything. When I first got out of veterinary school, we didn't even vaccinate for rabies. We certainly didn't vaccinate for tetanus. We didn't vaccinate for West Nile. Tetanus, um, there is absolutely no question that these are full of heavy metals, mercury and so on. See, I told you it makes a buddy mad. Um, but I'm sorry. But that's my opinion. And you would have to develop your own opinion. I understand. But, um, you know, you're just scared to death because you think you're going to have a horse that comes down with rabies or a horse that's going to come down with tetanus. In 25 years of practice, I've seen one horse with tetanus and the horse had been vaccinated. You know? I've seen one case of rabies in a horse in 25. I see thousands of cases of allergies in horses every single year. So it's, you know, it's a trade-off. And the question is, do they even work? I can tell you this. When I got my rabies vaccination, and I have, I've had every rabies vaccination under the sun, from the human diploid to the rhesus monkey to the, you name it. I've had three, I was a guinea pig for rabies vaccinations. Our class was going through school. I was sick. My arm, I thought it would fall off. And guess what else I developed shortly thereafter? I had warts so bad on my feet that I couldn't even walk. Directly related to vaccines, in my opinion. Yes, ma'am. That's an excellent uh, issue right there. She's talking about the... The actual organism. Right. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll her question. Uh, she was commenting on many times in the vaccines, it's the substances that they put in those vaccines that cause the problems, like your thimerosal, which is your mercury and your aluminum, and, and the fact that they're growing them in foreign tissue and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, there are other ways. You know, tetanus has been around for centuries, and believe me, it's not one of those things that you just can't treat, and neither is rabies. I don't care what the medical profession says. There are third-world countries... Most of the countries in the world don't vaccinate for rabies and don't vaccinate for tetanus. And, you know, there's not epidemics of rabies and they're not epidemics of tetanus. Homeopathy is something you might want to look into. You know, if we have a horse that is exposed to a wire or, you know, a baby that is actually uh, has a problem, there are some homeopathic remedies that you can give to help prevent tetanus. So there's other ways besides just vaccination. And until they get the vaccines cleared up without all this foreign junk in them, you know, I'm not going to vaccinate, and that's just, and we don't have sick horses anymore. Uh, babies, and you know, if they get the flu, then usually it might normally before they have to run its course for a couple weeks or so. Now a day or so, the sniffles are gone and they're great. 
But again, we have a lot of potential for exposure to um, uh, to various diseases, infectious diseases. Okay, any other questions before I get off this up? Yes, ma'am. Excellent, and that's a very typical question that I get, you know, how do you know homeopathy works? Well, again, most countries of the world use homeopathy today for the treatments. We're the about, you know, there's only a few countries that have all the drugs and chemicals and so on that we do. So it's more the norm than it is not the norm around the world. And by the way, homeopathy is the only um, modality, the only science of medicine that has been tested in humans. You know, it's a long story as to how it was developed and how it came about and so on, but it's a very fascinating story, and every homeopathic remedy was actually tested in humans, not in animals. And there are thousands of books on them and all the different... Uh, we actually have computer programs that, that uh, you can match all the symptoms up. It's pretty phenomenal. It's just a whole science. I don't really want to get into it today, but it is amazing how it works. And, you know, whether they work... It's the same good question with regards to vaccines. How do we know that they work? Well, I promise you this. Let me tell you a personal story. Um, I have a, a friend who is a virologist and, well, you all know Dr. Pitcairn. You might have read some of his books, Natural Health Care for Horses and, I mean, for Dogs. Um, he's kind of the father of homeopathy as far as I'm concerned and, and, and veterinary medicine. Well, he's also a virologist. I don't know if you knew that. Board certified virologist. So he's a pretty sharp guy. Well, anyway, when they first came out with the Feluke vaccine back in the 80s uh, for cats, you don't know what I'm talking about, feline leukemia virus. Well, he was concerned about that vaccine, and um, he's, which we all are today, okay, because, you know, there are absolutely no question about it causing, in many cases, a tumor at the injection site. That's, I mean, that's just the way it is. There's not a veterinarian in the world that won't tell you that's the truth. I mean, you even record where you give the injection on a patient, and, you know, there's, you have to report any incidents of it, but it's there. I mean, during the next few years after that vaccine came out, I can't tell you how many cats died from lymphosarcoma after that injection. Well, during the process, he was investigating that particular vaccine, and guess what? His investigation showed that before they put that vaccine on the market, there were only 30 cats that had been tested. 30 cats. So that's a, the big question now in veterinary medicine, and you're starting to see the pharmaceutical companies you know, show their documentation. They haven't had to show that it worked in the past, truthfully, you know, or how long it lasts, like rabies vaccination is three years, five years, one year. You know, there, there's not been a lot of controls over that in the past. And right now, even in small animal veterinary medicine, in small animals, the recommendation down from the top, you know, from the, eight, the American Veterinary Medical Association, which is the slowest of all the change, but even about as long as three or four years ago, American Animal Hospital Association came out and said that you should no longer vaccinate your patients based on the calendar that they should be determined on an individual basis. And that is coming now in small animals. Now, it's not everybody agrees with it because that's the most amount of money that they make is from the vaccination. So it's a slow change. It will be here. It will be the same recommendations in horses in the next five years. It's kind of a slower process. 
we all have assumed that there are no risks from vaccinations. Well, that's changing. Right now, there's a veterinarian suing the state of Texas because of the, him having to give a rabies vaccination annually to his patients. He's suing the state of Texas, and he's going to win because there's no documentation to show that it has to be given every year and so on and so forth. So, yeah. required by law. If it's required by law, you got to do it, unfortunately. Now, rabies in most states, 99.9% of the country, there are no vaccines required in horses. If you have a local law or a state law, then obviously you have to do it. But there are some things that you can do afterwards to help negate some of the negative effects from those vaccines, and homeopathy is one of them. But um, so, and the legalities of not doing it, you know, could be bad. Fortunately, I live in a state where we don't have to do it. All we have to have is a Coggins test. You know, we can show, we can travel, you can travel across state lines, you can go anywhere you want as long as you have a Coggins test. Now, there may be a boarding situation where the owner himself just doesn't know better, they're still in the old school. Um, and boarding kennels are really bad to require vaccinations, and it's really tough. And then it's just an education process that's going to change slowly and so on and so forth. But... Um, well, we really have got off the subject here, haven't we? Man. Well, we did talk about minerals a little bit so far. Aluminum, lead, remind me on that. Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. There's an outbreak of the racetrack and there's this big stir about the vaccinate now, not to vaccinate. And you would probably say don't vaccinate, right? I wouldn't vaccinate an ant if it walked across the floor. You know, I just don't. I just don't. And that's my opinion, but that's... No. Exactly. The key, the key to health in a horse is to keep them healthy and keep the bugs off. You know, keep them healthy and keep the, even West Nile, even Potomac fever, all these things. Do everything you can to keep the bugs off, and we'll talk about that a little bit. We've got a natural product to help there too. One more question, yep. <coughs> Not in my opinion. I mean, we cold turkeyed ours and we had no consequence, and I don't know of anybody else that has. Uh, if the immunity, if there was such a thing, is going to eventually either continue to be there or eventually go away. The question was if you vaccinated in the past and you just stopped vaccinating, is there some problem? I think they're just going to be healthier because you're not injecting that foreign tissue into them. Uh, you know, am I right? I don't know. I believe I am. I know with autism in children, there's no question about that being related to vaccines. No question whatsoever. But yet you still read the literature and you're not going to find it in there. But I've, I mean, I attended a lecture here a while and I've got it on CD of various, from various MDs around the country who their whole practice is treating autism 
And I promise you, they know the vaccines are related. No question about it. I started to say the American Fair Association meeting I had. But I, I only had 10 minutes to talk. And I said, whatever you do, before you vaccinate your kids, please check into it. Because I truly think that autism is a major problem related to vaccines in children. The lady jumped up out of the front row. She came up to the front crying, telling me her story with her children, pleading to the public, you know, to check into it more. Before... The next five minutes, there were three people. I mean, this came up and grabbed the microphone, telling me all the problems they had had. And, and that small a group, and that small a group, it's unbelievable. So, um, if nothing, if you don't get anything else out of that, you know, at least do your due diligence. Vaccine Information Network, I believe, is the website. You can search for vaccines and just look at look at the potential for problem out there. Get on the internet. Internet's changed the world for the good and the bad, but there's a lot of information out there that that you can gather. If nothing else, understand that there are certain lots of vaccines that cause more problems than others. And they record this. You know, if we have any adverse reactions to anything, we report it. You know, period. So it's recorded and there are groups that are so concerned that they keep up with it and they try to let the public know. Now, we talked a little bit about minerals. We talked about aluminum and and mercury. Those are what we call heavy metals, okay? I, the reason I know heavy metals are such an issue in animals is I mentioned the hair analysis that we do. I, I find a lot of heavy metals. And that's what was driving me crazy. It's one of the reasons that we've progressed to where we are and have a little better understanding on heavy metals is because we would see them in the manes of these horses. You know, the, the hair analysis kind of gives you a much longer picture of what's gone in the body versus a blood test. It's just like a little window of time that shows what's in the body. Hair shows you what's been going on. But anyway, we kept I kept finding all these heavy metals, and I couldn't find the source of them. You know, lead, aluminum, arsenic, mercury, cadmium. And so I started digging and digging and trying to find where they were coming from. And I finally found... A friend of a friend now who led me to a veterinarian at the University of Kentucky who had the research showing where they were coming from. There's actually two professors there that have tremendous research about heavy metals. Every time he tried to publish this information, he got called to the dean's office. Understand, research can be made to show whatever you want it to show, and these universities, unfortunately, forgive me for bringing up another hornet's nest here, but the research, my wife's in research. You know, if they don't have funding, they don't do the research. The funding comes from drug companies. It comes from major companies. And obviously, you know, negative stuff is reported too, but you can make research pretty much show whatever you want to show. But anyway, any time he tried to publish the information that he found, he was called to the dean's office. Fortunately, he was tenured, so they couldn't fire him. But he's definitely on the black sheep of the university. you know. But what he found was that um, most of your minerals today are full of heavy metals. For instance, um, selenium. Anyone give their horse selenium in here? Selenium supplement. Probably a lot of people. Right. Did you know that most selenium on the market today is either sodium selenite or sodium selenate, which are both byproducts of copper mining, okay, and often full of arsenic. But here's another thing. 
this is the interesting thing about this. That is the only kind of selenium, and there are safer kinds. There's selenomethionine, there's organic selenium. Safer kinds. Okay, I mean, you see a bag of this stuff, selenite or selenite, selenate or selenite, it's got a big skull and crossbones on the bag. I mean, okay, I'm serious. But the only kind of selenium that we can legally put into horse feed is those kinds. If I put on my label organic selenium, I mean, selenomethionine, it's not a recognized product. It's not in their book so to speak. And I have to fight the state. And I fight them all the time. I spend half my time in regulatory issues over things like that. But anyway, calcium carb- uh, dicalphosphate, often full of... This was his, He actually was able to bring suit against a company coming out of China that had supplements that had dicalphosphate that was full of cadmium. Full of cadmium. And lead is another thing that's often in. So... You know, you've got, you just don't want to take minerals for granted that even though they're in the store, even though there's in a package, there's all kinds of minerals out there. Now, not only do they have the potential for heavy metals, but think about this. Would you not agree that there's minerals today that we didn't know about 10 years ago? And are there not going to be minerals 10 years from now that we don't know about today? Well, if we don't know about them, how in the world can we even put them in a supplement? No? So, almost every supplement mineral-wise that's on the market today is so much of this, so much of that. You know, it's a man-made product, right? A lot of calcium, a lot of magnesium, a lot of this, a lot of that, and so on and so forth. It's what man thinks they need. Now, here's another little bit of information. The last... That these supplements are made based on recommended daily allowances. You know, what is published from the government, the powers to be. The last recommended daily allowance that was evaluated and made public in the Bible, so to speak, was in 1987 for horses. 1987. What? I have. Okay, there you go. She has it. So... It blows my mind how many mineral mixes there are on the market today and how much junk most of them are, you know. And again, what? let me go back to the hair analysis just a little bit. You know, I used to do a lot of hair analysis and we'd get the results and we would actually customize a mix based on what we saw in the formula, I mean in the hair analysis. If we had... Uh, not enough of a mineral, we would add more of that mineral to the mix, right? If we had something that we had to get rid of out of the body, we'd give them something to help get rid of that particular mineral. So we would customize the mix based on what we actually saw. The problem that I had with that after we were doing it for a while is that we tended to maybe tip the scales the other way once we did it for a while. You know, it's kind of like playing God almost. You know, we're trying to balance what we see, but we give this and we give that and we keep feeding them and we tip the scales the other way. So we do a hair analysis a year and a half down the road and what was high before would be low now. You know, you just couldn't ever get it right. And that's the problem with hoof supplements today too. Anyone use a hoof supplement in here? 
You know, they have biotin, which is good, and they have some other methionine and lysine, some amino acids, which are excellent. But if you truly look at most hoof supplements today, they're literally full of heavy uh, full of minerals. You know, there's a lot of calcium, a lot of zinc, a lot of magnesium, massive amounts of minerals. Okay. Well, what happens when we use them? We, if you have a hoof problem, I promise you, you have a mineral imbalance of some sort. So they might help. They might fill those deficiencies. But what do we do? We keep feeding them, right? So what we wind up doing is tipping the scales the other way. Can you see how? I mean, it's a hard concept to explain. But when you fill the deficiencies because you're using massive amounts to take care of everything, but you wind up getting them out of balance in some other way down the road. So that's another aspect of minerals that we want to be careful with. Now... If you're not using a supplement, you need to, and I'll talk about what you need to use in a minute, but but because the point I want to make here is they're not going to get it in the seed. How many feed a complete seed in here? Several. A lot of people. You know, if you buy a feed from the store, from the feed mill, you pretty much think you're getting a complete feed. And that's what's how they're sold. Let me just throw a little bit of information out that might change your mind on that just a little bit. I know probably most people in here have more than one horse. Some of y'all have seven, eight horses, four horses. You know, it kind of gets in your blood, doesn't it? Yeah, there you go. But it, can't have just one. That's right. You know what it's like. So you agree with me on that? I promise you, you have some horses that eat a little bit and some horses that eat a lot. Some horses that have to, you know, if you feed them too much, they're going to get fat. They're going to get overweight, crusty neck, hypothyroid, insulin resistant because you're giving them too much, right? And you have others that you just can't keep the weight on. Obviously, there's some breed variations. You need thoroughbreds, standardbreds, hard keepers. you got to feed them more, period. But anyway, same, let's say you have 2,000-pound horses, both getting that so-called complete feed. This guy that eats two pounds a day, and this guy that eats 10 pounds a day, this guy's getting one-fifth of the vitamins, minerals, and everything else that this guy's getting. Because they're not getting it from the grain. The only thing they're getting mineral-wise is from what's added to it, you know, mineral-wise. Because the grains, there's nothing in them anymore. Now, there's no minerals in our grains anymore, in any of our foods anymore. But can you see how there's no such thing as a complete feed before I go there? So the key is to put the supplement on the food every day so you know that they're getting the minerals and vitamins and so on. Now let's go back to the, to the there's no such, you're not going to get any minerals from the grains anymore. Key point, we're not getting any minerals and very little nutrition from our foods today too. Here's why. Our soils are totally depleted. You know, all the farmers are putting on our food today, on our fields, it's, it's fertilized, right? You know what, what fertilized truly is? It's nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. Three minerals. Nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. That's pretty much all they're putting on the field. You know, 10, 10, 10. 20, 10, 10, or whatever. What about all those other minerals that were on that periodic chart that we learned or didn't learn in high school? You know, where have they gone? You know, we've depleted them today. They're not in our soils anymore, and subsequently we're not in, uh, they're not in our foods anymore. And also in those fertilizers are often heavy metals. 
This one professor that I know who's done tremendous research says he will never eat any food grown in New Jersey. Because the fertilizer that comes from New Jersey, South Jersey, the fertilizer facilities are on toxic waste dumps over there. I mean, he's got it documented. You know, I mean, we're putting that in the soil. Obviously, the plants take up what you put in the soil, and that's what we're eating. One more thing on minerals, for there's a lot more on minerals, but mercury in our teeth, too. If you have problems, man, you need to be going not to a regular dentist, because he's probably still going to be putting mercury in your... You know, they call them silver fillings. They're over 50% mercury. You know, if you took the mercury out of one tooth... This is true. This is documented. If you take the amount of mercury that's in a child's vaccinations by the time he's six years of age, if you took the amount of mercury that's in that vaccination and you put it in a little pond out here and had the EPA come in and check the mercury levels, do you know that they would come in with their white suits and to clean it up because they declared a toxic waste dump. And yet we're injecting it in our kids. In the same way with their teeth, folks. You need to check into that if you haven't sit in. I'm not saying all this to scare you. Please. But I want you to be aware of, you know, maybe some things you haven't been aware of before. So you got to supplement the horse's feed. Be careful with just supplements in general. And then we've got to consider some minerals that they're not getting. Because I truly... Let me draw something on the board here if I can, see if you all know what it is. I'm not much of an artist, but uh, you all know what that is? Can you see that? Saw block. To me, that, in my opinion, that is the biggest cause of founder, the biggest cause of laminitis, the biggest cause of colic, the biggest cause of most of the problems that our horses are having today. Is that right there? I think they should outlaw those blocks. I don't care. Red blocks, white blocks, sulfur blocks. I don't care what they are. A horse is not a liquor. A horse cannot get what he needs from a block. Five stalaholics. Stalaholics. Five saltaholics, she says. What are those horses? They're trying to find something, right? They're licking themselves to death. Trying to find something that's not in there. The red blocks... One, one second. The red blocks? You know the reason they're red? It took me forever to find out why they're red. The trace mineral blocks, they call them. The reason they're red is is absolutely archaic. I mean, it goes back to when they first started making blocks for animals way back when. Guess what they were adding to those blocks to make them red? Iron. Iron, Iron oxide to make them red. Because it, when it was thoroughly mixed good, the bats, it turned red. And of course, everything. Well, a horse needs iron anyway. Like red cell, by the way, that particular oh. part, full of iron. Full of iron. Anyway, guess what iron does? It ties up all the other trace minerals anyway. So you're not, they're totally useless and causing harm. But they continue to use red salt blocks. I even know one company just adds a red dye to it to make it red. Because, you know, we think red's good. Um, yes, ma'am. Well, I hate to get into specific companies, but there is no block that a horse can get what he needs from, in my opinion, because they're not liquors. Yeah, it is. It's a little softer. But, boy, I've got them coming from everywhere. All right. She was first. Let me ask. Go ahead. The horses I have that are more interested in the soft blocks, 
There you go. Oh, yeah. By the way, if you'll stop by the booth, I have a DVD that I, I've got two sections. One's on wood chewing and cribbing, and the other one's on salt and minerals. So you can stop by and pick it up um, and see the. Our booth is in the Cow Palace over here. If you go into past the arena, and there's a little door in the back that goes into the right-hand section of everything. We're right in that back, right around through that door there, the natural horse bed. Um But anyway, getting back to the blocks again, you see again, that's kind of like your man-made mixes. You know, it's so much of this, so much of that, so much, you know, what we think they need in those blocks. And by the way, salt is not made for horses. The salt that's using these, it's industrial salt. You know, it's it's... Exactly. It's killed, killed rod, it's bleached, it's chlorinated, it's processed dead salt. I mean, it's not even something we should be eating, in my opinion, regular salt. Uh, it's dead, it's killed rod. And we'll talk about a source here, a better source, in just a minute. But let me answer some of these questions. How much time do I have? Oh, I will, I will. Oh, is that all I have? Is ten minutes? Holy mackerel. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I will. Well, what I'm what I'm going to recommend has pretty much eliminated our need for hair samples because it's fixed about 98% of the problems that we have. I'm going to give you a little commercial in a minute about one of our products, but um, uh, and that that is the answer. But you know, we've got. Let me tell you why, if I could, why these really cause all these laminitis, founder, and so on and so forth. Not only do they not get the minerals that they need. Remember those easy keepers that I talked about a while ago? Guess what? When you when they don't get the minerals that they need, they even become more of an easy keeper. Because they're not getting the minerals that function through the adrenal glands and the thyroid and so on to help them with their metabolism. So when they get less, when you feed them less, you're actually adding to the to the hypothyroid insulin resistant crassy neck cushionoid horse syndrome, laminitic form syndrome. So it's critical that you put the supplements on their food every day. But um, mineral-wise, we've got to truly be aware of those supplements, and we've got to truly be aware that these salt blocks are causing problems. And here, here's the biggest reason for the founder colic and laminitis and so on. I mentioned 10-10-10 fertilizer, nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. Understand that grass is a living, breathing organism. Okay, grass it has it changes hour to hour to hour. If the barometer changes, the mineral content in the grass changes. If you have a colic, when does it occur? Weather change, right? Nope. I mean, always. If you have pasture horses, it's when the weather changes, and that's because the grass mineral content changes, the sugar content changes. But more importantly than sugar, in my opinion, grass-wise, is the minerals, particularly potassium. Now, potassium is such an issue in horses that in quarter horses, HYPP horses, anyone have one? It's actually a genetic issue. I mean, there's already a genetic transformation from potassium toxicity in HYPP horses. They get any potassium, they can die. It's just as simple as that. Your horse, if he's in a field, especially heavily fertilized fields, or even if it's not in a pasture, if he's getting hay that's heavily fertilized, right? And they're on a chronic overload of potassium, nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus. 
if the weather changes, for instance, and he's in the pasture and he, the grass wants to grow, obviously, wants to survive, so what does it do? It sucks the water up from the ground, right? And it does that by bringing the potassium up from the ground. It attracts more water molecules to the plant. And when it sucks that potassium up, if that horse has just a salt block or a mineral block, and he can't get a big gulp of minerals, other minerals, to balance that potassium out, the gut pH changes from that potassium. And when that gut pH changes, those normal healthy bacteria in the gut become deadly. I mean, they, they, they can cause laminitis just like that. They can cause abortion in your marriage. They can cause botulism. Anyone ever had a botulism horse in here? It's by, from a Clostridium organism. And we've all been taught, taught in vet school, and you were probably told that they ate something dead in the field, or there was a dead rat or something in the hay or something like that. It's from the botulism organisms in the gut that are there normally just because the gut rapidly changed, in my opinion, from the excess potassium, and they didn't have anything to balance it with because they couldn't lick fast enough to get the other minerals to balance it, and they died from botulism. Probiotics. Probiotics will help. Probiotics are good, and that's another topic. But, but can you understand how? I mean, this is the most crucial thing you can understand. The biggest cause of colic, founder laminitis, is an excess potassium. Now, even in the grass itself, too much potassium changes, brings out the bad part of grass. You know, it makes the the, the fungi, fungus organisms in the grass become more deadly. It makes even the grass itself be more deadly, not to mention changing the gut in the horse. No question, this is you're not going to hear this probably from only two or three other people in this country that understand what I'm talking about. But I know veterinarians that will tell you they've seen cattle and horses lick themselves to death. I know one particular veterinarian that, uh, I mean, he had a whole dead herd of cattle from the excess potassium from the fertilizer. Now, uh, your hay, your good green fertilized hay, it's full of nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, but full of water. Farmers heavily fertilize. Number one, they don't know better. It's all they know to do, but with the salt-based nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus. But it makes the grass grow because they sell it by the pound. But it's just full of water. And it's full of nitrogen, potassium, and she said she's been checking her hay for years now, and one of the minerals that's off the chart is potassium. I, I dare you to find an alfalfa or a good Timothy hay that doesn't have a 15% plus potassium. Yes, ma'am. Sorry, Elby. Yes. The single most effective thing you can do for that field is lime. Lime is always good. Heavily lime, heavily lime. I don't have an answer organic fertilizer-wise yet. Okay? I don't have an answer for you yet. Manures, I mean, that's our biggest answer is manure. But there, but there's other minerals out there that we need to be getting back into our horses and getting back into our into ourselves, into our food. That's why organic food, by the way, is so much better for you. Let me answer your question. Potash is just the same as potassium. It causes the same effect. In fact, I, I perfect example. I did the same thing myself one year. 
just did nothing but potash because it's a lot cheaper than the, than the fertilizer, too. And guess what? We had two horses die that year from colic. You don't never use potash, please. Um, we only got a few minutes, so let me give you the answer, okay? Because the answer is this. Natural form of loose salt and minerals. And we, it took us a while to find the source. Our source, we call it Red Cal, C-A-L, um, but it's actually free choice in a bag, loose granular salt and minerals that come from the desert. It used to be the ocean. Zillions of years ago it was an ocean. Volcano erupted, preserved this pocket of wonderful minerals. Every mineral known to man is in there. It's micro amounts compared to massive amounts in a supplement, you know, like we give, like the supplements you buy in the store. You can, but the key to it, for and my, the best thing to do is always to make it, make it available free choice. Have a bucket hanging on a fence post in the stall or wherever you spend time with your horse, and just make sure there's a little in it all the time. In other words, use it just like a block, except it's loose granular, so they can get a big gulp and can balance this potassium and changes that they might need instead of having to lick themselves to death. They know. Oh, yeah. And see, your horses, they're trying to find something. They're trying to eat the wood. They're trying to find something. You see, minerals are, this is the summation, minerals are like a chain, links in a chain. And there's many, many different minerals. Now, man-made products, you might have the big links, you know, the calcium in there, the magnesium, maybe the zinc, and so on and so forth. But every single link is important to a chain, isn't it? I mean, if you have one link that's missing, that chain is no good. So even as small as that link is, it's important that it be a part of that chain. Okay. Um, so, again, we've gone back to ask Mother Nature what she does and got found a natural source of salt and minerals, which, by the way, the same veterinarian that I mentioned earlier that was doing all the research and so on, he actually already had found this source of minerals, told me about it, and... Um, it's not full of all your heavy metals either. Uh, it's a clay-based type product, so it actually helps absorb some of these heavy metals that we talked about. Pretty awesome. We even have a product for people now that has that same source of mineral in it. And that's one way to get these minerals back into your system. We have a human product. Forgive me for a commercial, but i got to tell you this. this. This product is... I can't tell you how many people with blood pressure problems and sugar and uh, cholesterol and triglycerides just... This one product with these minerals is doing for people. I mean, it's unbelievable the difference it's making in people's health um, by providing that missing link, that missing ingredients. You know, I truly believe that even cancer is obviously it's from the junk that we're exposed to and so on and so forth, changing our system. But I truly think there's a mineral, there's some minerals missing that are part of the cancer link because uh, every. Uh, internet cure for cancer that I see, or and and there are some out there. You know, there are some things that really help. Almost every one that I see from around the world has micro amounts of certain minerals. You know, cesium, one, even strontium is one. Things that you know, if you get too much, you could cause cancer. But in, in smaller amounts, you know, right around. Cesium, there's a group of minerals that I think is very precious minerals that I think we're missing in our diets today, both people and animals. And that's just my speculation based on seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of patience and a lot of effort, you know, looking at what works. But uh, and, and this product for horses, it's so easy. You hang it in a bucket, if it rains on it, pour the rainwater off the top, 
add a little fresh right to the top of it. They keep right on eating it. It's so critical to the health of the horses, in my opinion, for in, at, at our farm. If there's a weather change coming in, a front moving in or something, we actually drive the cart around to every pasture to make sure that there's some in every bucket. That's how critical it is because they're not going to get it from the seed. You, know, you can add mineral mixes to their food, but again, you know, you're putting what man thinks they need, and we have a product like that that is the best you can get, where we use the organic selenium and so on, and fight the regulators every day, but we still do it because I believe my right is God-given, not state-given or federal-given to heal, and I'm going to do everything I can. If they lock me up, maybe some of y'all come get me out one of these days. Thank you. I appreciate. It. But, but you know. It's amazing what you can do with nutrition, and it's so. And you got to start educating yourself if you can. Don't ever hesitate to call me. We have an email address. Stop by the booth. I've got some articles, a CD, a DVD. I'll be happy to share what I can with you on any subject.